ready, writer, to speak the things concerning your kingdom, Father. We ask that you would anoint this atmosphere, Father. Purify it, Father. Refocus, reset our minds, Father, that your will will be done, Father. We ask that your word will come across with clarity in spite of me, O oh, Father. We ask that your word will touch every mind, heart, and soul, Father. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, O oh, Father. Anoint me as the teacher to give, O oh, Father, and the students to receive. We thank you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Perfecting love, perfecting love. Now, our scriptures are going to come from 1 John 4, chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Those are going to be our main scriptures. I have some more scriptures I'm going to throw in there. I think one is um, we're going to do 2 Timothy 1, 7, 1 and 7. Romans 8 and 15, and then Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. And then we're going to close it out with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. Chad, what's going on, man? So we're going to talk from the topic of perfecting love. Now, when it comes to love... We don't perfect ourselves, all right? When it comes to love, we can't perfect ourselves. We can't perfect ourselves in love because it is the Father's love that we need. Now, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Be imitators of God as his beloved children. I'm going to say that again. According to Ephesians 5 and 1, it says, Be imitators of God as his beloved children. So we are, expect to, we are expected to what? Imitate the Father. So if we're going to imitate his love, we know what? That he has to set the example. That he has to set the example. And the simplicity of Scripture is this. It's really mathematical. It's just a bunch of formulas that when you put them together, you get what God wants you to have. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Now, sometimes we cut it short. We just say, resist the devil, and he'll flee. No, it's a mathematical equation. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he flees. If you don't submit to God, if you remove that part out the equation, you can't resist the devil. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him then he will direct your paths. So if your path is off, all you got to do is the math. Am I trusting in the Lord? And am I doing it with all my heart? Am I leaning on my understanding or his? Am I acknowledging him in all ways? It's simple math. All you have to do is connect the scriptures and you get the answer. 
Now, 1 John 4 and 16 gives us another formula. It reads, we have come to know and believe the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Verse 17 says, by this, love is perfected with us. By this, love is perfected with us. How is love perfected with us? Let's go back. 1 John 4 and 16, this is how love is perfected. We have to come to a place where we know and we believe the love which God has for us. That's the math. We have to come to a place where we know and believe the love that God has for us. Now, when we're talking about knowing, we're not talking about just base knowledge. We're not talking about an intellectual response to something that you read. When we talk about know, we're talking about a, 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 a divine revelation that you live from. We're talking about having knowledge and understanding, having wisdom as well as revelation of who your father is, and you live from that. It is not something that you say, I know God loves me. I know God. No, you only know God through experience. You only know him through his word. You have to have knowledge before you can have understanding. You need information before you can comprehend a thing. And after you have comprehended and you have lived it, you gain wisdom from that. From wisdom, we get into revelation. So in order for us to have a revelation of who he is as a father, we have to have the correct information, we have to understand the information, and we have to walk in the information. When Jesus came from heaven, he said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only do what the Father tells me. My meat and drink is to do the will of my Father. Why would he talk like that? Because he knew the Father. He didn't know him in a, in a sense of, I know he exists. He was saying, I have an encounter with him. I have a relationship with him. And the whole purpose of Jesus touching this planet is to give you the same relationship that he had with the Father. So John says, we have come to know, and not only know, but believe. Now, when I say believe, I'm not saying agree. You know, sometimes we think faith is we agree. <laughs> faith isn't agreeing with God. Sometimes we think to believe means I agree with that. No, believing is a lifestyle. Believing is, is to embrace him through his plan. It is a walk. He didn't give his son so we can just agree with it. He gave his son so that we could have eternal life. So we have to know and we have to believe the love which God has for us. We don't have to know and believe in the love that people have for us. 
He said we have to know and we have to believe the love that God has for us. This has to be a way of thinking. It has to be a way of life that you know without a shadow of a doubt that the Father loves me. You believe that the Father loves me. And it doesn't, watch this. It doesn't just show up vocally. It shows up through my actions. It shows up through obedience. It shows up through my faith. It shows up in every area of my life that I what? Know and believe that the Father loves me. When Tremaine came up here uh, a couple seconds ago, he came up here and told me, he said, don't worry about what the devil is saying. That's why we need the brotherhood, because the devil is talking. He's loud. He's always telling you you're a failure. He's always going to tell you that you can't make it. He's always going to tell you, as soon as you do something wrong, the first thing he comes to you and tell you, as soon as you do something wrong, the first thing he comes to you and tell you is what? God isn't with you no more. God doesn't love you. God's going to crucify you. He's not going to bless you. That's his job. His job is to get you to not act like a child of God. When he met Jesus in the wilderness, the first thing he said to him, if you be the son of God. He didn't say if you have a pastor. He didn't say if you a prophet. He didn't say if you can teach. He didn't say if you can speak in tongues. He didn't say if you go to this church or you go to that church, the first thing he acknowledged, if you be a son of God, do this. The first thing he said, why? Because he's after that relationship. Matter of fact, theologians would tell you that this is the whole reason why Satan rebelled. Satan rebelled because God's next plan was to, to take mankind and make him like him. And Satan couldn't stand that. To this day, everything that he does in your life is to try to get to disprove that you are God's child. Same thing he did to Adam. Same thing he did to Eve. He went to Eve. Surely he didn't say that. <laughs> what? To get her to stop acting like a daughter. Telling her the moment that you do this, you're going to be like him. You already like him. He created you in his image, in his likeness, and he gave you dominion over the earth. But Satan can seep in there and tell you, the moment you do this, you're going to be like him. The moment you're going to do this, this is what you're going to get. Not even knowing, I'm, I'm, I'm babbling now. So, we have come to know and believe the love which God has for us. God is love. So, God is love. He's not trying to be love. He's not working on this love. If the scripture said that God can love, then that would mean we are waiting on him to love us. When they say that God is love, means there's no other action that he can ever have towards you other than what? Love. Then he says, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So once you know and you believe that he loves you and you understand that he is love, he said if you abide, meaning if you remain in his love, if you tolerate, if you endure his love, then he be, you become one with him. 
and he becomes one with you. By this, love is perfected. Now, what is perfect love? Perfect love is love that is complete. It's whole. Perfect love is him adding what is yet lacking in order to make it full, to make it complete. So he looks at you as a child and he says, according to what you have been through in your past, I'm going to add love to you to make you whole. According to the situations and the circumstances that are happening in your life right now, I'm going to love you to make you whole. The whole purpose of this is to make you one with me. But watch this. It says, by this, love is perfected with us so that what? We may have what? Confidence. So his love is supposed to be so perfect that we have what? Confidence. Now, not, now watch this. Confidence in the day of judgment. <laughs> Confidence in the day of judgment. So he's saying, when you die, and you stand before me, the way I loved you on earth is supposed to bring you to a confidence where you come before me, you ain't worried about nothing. Why? Because you know you my child. <laughs> you know you my child. Now, if you in Adam, still, that's a problem. And there's several types of judgments. There's the white throne of judgment, which is for those who are in Adam and never came into Christ. It's the judgment seat of Christ for those who are his children, and you're not judged, uh, uh, you're not judged necessarily according to whether you're going to get in hell or you're going to go to heaven, because as long as you are in Christ, heaven is your home. But the judgment now is to see how you live as a child of God. Then you have judgments on earth in which you want to do your thing, and he'll turn you over to that type of mindset. Then you have the judgment on those who try to oppose his work like he did with Pharaoh. But nevertheless, the scripture says that as long as you know and believe the love that he has for you, you understand that he is love and you abide in that love. He says you're going to have a confidence. You're going to have a confidence in the day of judgment. You're going to have a confidence after this life. But now, if he wants us to have a confidence in the day of judgment, surely he wants us to have confidence now. Why? Because he's calling you to do things. He's giving you assignments. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. And the craziest thing is this. The world has more confidence in what they do than the people in the church. They have more confidence in themselves than we have in the Almighty. So that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Watch this. Because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is. Now, when we talk about, when he, when he says he, who are we talking about? Jesus. As he is now, seated in heavenly places, 
in a place of power, all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. He's praying and he's interceding for the saints. He is the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. And the Bible says, as he is right now, so are we in this world. Not saying, you know what, you're going to be like that when you die. <laughs> you're going to be like that when you get to heaven. No, he said, as we, as he is, so are we right now. That's why the Bible tells you to have the mind of Christ. Because as he is, so are you when? Right now. That's why he predestined you to conform to the image of his son. Because as he is, so are you right now. The Bible says what? He seated us in heavenly places, far above every principality. I was on a, last week, I was really driven to speak and talk and tell y'all how much the devil is such a chump. He's such a chump. He has absolutely no power. And everybody's scared of him. I came up in ministries where most of the messages was warning us about him. We glorify him more than we glorify who we are in him. And the Bible says that all power was given to Jesus in heaven and on earth. So if Jesus has all power in heaven and on earth, then what power does Satan have here? None. But this is his power. I'm going to whisper something to you. You're going to agree with it. You just gave me power. I tell you when to get mad. <laughs> That's his power. I tell you when to be happy. I control whether you're depressed or not. That's his power. His power is telling you that you're not going to, that you're not going to, what you're trying to accomplish is not going to happen and then you quit. That's his power. His power is to get you to agree with his foolishness. <laughs> We're going to be delivered. We're going to be delivered. We are. That's his job. You have to know that. You have to hear what the Father is saying about you. When Jesus comes to the disciples, all the stuff he taught him, the one thing that I'm amazed about is when he told them to look at the birds. He said, look at the birds. He said, they don't sow, they don't reap, and they don't gather in barns. But your Father takes care of them. How much more important are you than them? So you mean to tell me the trees can get rain, but you can't get money? You mean to tell me the trees have a purpose, but you don't? As he is, so are we in this world. Now, this is the, this is the killer right here. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. So he's saying 
My love is so perfect that after I'm done loving you, you ain't going to feel nothing. He says, when I'm done loving you, you ain't going to fear nothing. Now, let's look at fear. A strong, uncontrollable, unpleasant emotion caused by actual or perceived danger or threat. A phobia, a sense of fear induced by something or someone. So watch this. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. So what is he saying? If you have a strong, uncontrollable, unpleasant emotion caused by actual or perceived danger or threat, it's not me. If you have a phobia, a sense of fear induced by something or someone, it's not me. Dread. If you have a great fear in view of impending evil, it's not me. If you have a fearful apprehension of danger and anticipatory terror, it's not me. If you dread something or somebody, it's not me. Why? Because I am love. If you, an, if you have terror, if you have an intense fright or fear, that's not me. That's not my voice. That's not my presence. I didn't say that. If you have a specific instance of being intensely terrified about something, that ain't your father. That's the father of lies. The Bible calls him the father of lies. The Bible says that he can't tell the truth if he tried to. He tried to quote scriptures to Jesus and messed that up. So he's saying that what? This is not me speaking if you're afraid of something. If I tell you, if I tell your big head self to start a business and you hear something tell you don't, that ain't me. If I tell you to start something and you look at the money and you get scared, that ain't me. That's you. That's your belief. And the problem is, is that you don't know and you don't believe in the love that I have for you. Because if you don't think that I will supply some money, what other areas of your life are you falling short in? If you don't believe he can supply money, Paul said, my God. Now, the thing about it, Paul said, my God will supply all your riches. He said, my God. It was his declaration. He was speaking of his faith. We say that as if it's a scripture that we can just say and it happens. No, Paul was, was telling them this. My God, my Father will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. He was exacting his faith on them. He was trying to get them to see what? The Father takes care of you. Why? The Bible said that if Jesus being rich became poor, that through his poverty we may become what? Rich.
And he ain't talking about rich in faith. The scripture actually says goods and wealth. If Abraham was rich and that wasn't his child, <laughs> Abraham was in Adam. Solomon was rich and he was in Adam. Elijah walked in power while he was what? In Adam. Moses and Joshua seen all these courageous feats. That's what you need to do when you read the Old Testament. You need to realize that these ain't even his children. <laughs> these are his slaves. He said about John the Baptist, he said, John the Baptist is the greatest man on earth. There's never been a man greater than him. So he canceled out Elijah. He canceled out Samson. He canceled out David. He canceled out everybody and said that there has never been a man greater on this earth than John the Baptist. But then he said, in the kingdom of God, he the least. Why? Because John was in Adam. John was not in Christ. John never got a chance to be a son of God. He was Jesus' cousin, but he never got a chance to be a child of God. And so if you have any type of fear in you to do anything that the Father told you to do, I'm here to let you know he ain't the one that said that. Watch this. The purpose of perfecting love is to cast all of this out of his children. The whole perfect purpose of him loving you is to cast it out. To cast means to violently throw it. Get it away from me. This is the purpose of love. It's to cast that away from you. He wants it out of your system. Second Timothy 1 and 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So he has not given us a spirit of fear. So if you feel, if you feel fear, that ain't him. But he said the spirit that I gave you gives you what? Power. <laughs> the spirit that I give you gives you what? Love. The spirit that I gave you gives you a sound mind. So if you don't have peace, you need to check your math. You need to check your word time. You need to check your prayer life. You need to check and see how much time are you spending with me. Because I did not give you a spirit of fear. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit of bondage to fear, again to fear. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage to fear again. But you received the spirit of adoption. <laughs> so what is he saying? If you're in bondage, ain't got nothing to do with me. You're receiving the wrong spirit. 
If you in fear, you're receiving the wrong spirit. You're hearing the wrong type of God. You're hearing the wrong voice. You're not yoked to me. Watch this. He said, I adopted you. <laughs> now, just on the principle of adoption, who adopts a child to bring them into fear? <laughs> who adopts a child to not bless them? Who adopts a child to not love them? How can you be all seeing, all knowing, all understanding, all wisdom, you adopt somebody, and the first thing we think is that when we make a mistake, he gonna send us to hell. That's not even ethical on earth. <laughs> so he said, I adopted you. You are yoked to me. The scripture says you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry what? Abba, Father. Now, Abba is, 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 is a word that is used, it means father. So he's saying father, father, but he said Abba because Abba is a, in the Greek is used as a prayer language towards him. And father lets you understand that he is the author of life. So he said, he didn't say you can say Abba, father. He said cry out. Whine about that. Pout. Expect from me. I care about what you have to say. I care about how you feel. Like I told y'all, when he entered this covenant with us, he knew the type of people we were. He knew we were weak. He knew we were fallible. He knew we could be easily deceived. He knew you had hurt. He seen everything that happened in your past. He see what's happening right now. That's why he says you've received the spirit of adoption. Right now, you can cry, Abba, Father. And what he's saying, I'll answer. Let's finish this. So he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. Fear involves punishment. Now the word involve in the Greek is the word echo. So he said, fear echoes punishment. If you fear me, then all you see me as, as a judge. You see me as a terrorist. You see me with a belt in my hand all the time. You don't see me with my arms wide open to you. It is our religious minds that keep us from being blessed. Because we don't know and believe the love that he has for us. He said, fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. Fear is proof of this. Well, now let me address punishment. Punishment is a penalty. It is when you always feel like you're sentenced through legalism. It is when you always feel like you're violating some rule. How many of y'all feel like that all the time? 
you always feel like you're doing something wrong. Let me let you, let me let you in on something. When God adopted you, he knew you went through stuff in the orphanage. When you were born again, you became an infant. Now, both of those states say what? That you need to be loved to a place of maturity. That's why we have grace. Grace is there because the condition in which he brought you into the family, you need to be loved out of it. You need to be matured from an infant to a full mature child. You need to be loved through that. Why? Because as a newborn baby, oh my God, you got kids. <laughs> the terrible twos, threes, fours, fives, six, sevens, and eights, and nines, and tens, all them ages terrible. <laughs> For real. By looking at your kids, you wouldn't abandon them at one. You wouldn't abandon them at two. You wouldn't abandon them at ten. I look at my children right now. I have a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 9-year-old, no, a 10-year-old and 11-year-old. Lord. Lord. If he can stop loving me for my mistakes, I should have been through with them jokers. I do this. That's what they do. The thing I said don't do is the thing that they do. <laughs> the thing that I asked them to do is the thing that they don't do. Sound like Paul, don't it? The thing that I wish to do, I can't. <laughs> the things that I want to do, I don't. So the father, if, if we have to look at our kids with that mind state, how is he looking at us? When the scripture said, you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father not give to you, not pour into you, not be patient with you? Even in that sense, you mean to tell me I got to be patient with Dr. Mumford. No matter what he do to me, I got to forgive him. But then we take that same thought process and we don't use it towards God. <laughs> so I got to forgive somebody that sins against me 539 times in a day. Jesus said seven times 77, you got to forgive. But then you make one mistake and you, you spend six months scared to pray. And the one who fears is not perfect in love. Here's the fear is proof of this, that we are not perfected in love, meaning you don't know the fullness of his love towards you. Fear is proof that you don't know how much he loves you. Fear is proof that the process of love has been disrupted. So this is the way it's supposed to go. You are supposed to receive love from the Father, and with that love, you're supposed to know and believe that he loves you. And with that love, you're supposed to love yourself. And after that, you love other people. We went right into trying to love people. <laughs> we went right into trying to love people. We skipped knowing about his love, we skipped over that. We skipped over loving ourselves, and we went right into trying to love 
others. And that's extremely hard. It's extremely hard to give somebody something that you don't have. You can't do it. So he wants his love to be perfected in us so that your faith in him, for his name's sake, so that you can properly represent him in earth or represent him. That is our job. Our job is to represent his love. Jesus told his disciples, as the Father has loved me, I love you. Love one another. Now, if Jesus had to go through that formula, surely you got to go through it. Our Father is love, meaning this. He is affectionate towards us. He seeks goodwill towards us. He seeks benevolence towards us. Why? Because he is love. Bonus scriptures. This is Paul praying according to his understanding of the gospel. And this is what he says. Ephesians 3 and 14. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Verse 16. That he would grant you, this is his prayer for us, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, personal, that you, this is personal, being rooted and grounded in love. So Paul says, I'm praying for you that you are rooted, you are grounded in his love. Now, grounded means that love is your foundation. It's what you build on. Rooted means that the seed has been deposited in you. It has been deposited in the soil of your heart, and it grew in you, then it grew to the surface. So the roots might have to go in you. The roots have to go in the soil before come through the surface. So until his love is rooted in you, until it's rooted in you, other people can't see it. They can't feel it. So he said, my prayers for you is that you be rooted and grounded in love. That you may be able to comprehend, that you may understand with all the saints, with the family of Christ, what is the width Length, height, and depth of his love. Mm. He said the width, four dimensions, width, the extent of his love, the passion of his love, the length, longevity, the intimacy of his love, the height, elevation, the commitment of his love. 
and the depth of his love, meaning his love is bottomless. It's unexplainable. That's why he said, I so love the world that I gave my son. I so love the world. I so love those who were against me. So that they be, can become my children. Four dimensions of love. Passion, intimacy, commitment, and depth. And to know the love, now this is a bonus. So he wants you to understand the fullness of his, of his love. And then he says, and I want you also to know the love of Christ which surpasses all knowledge because it don't make sense that Jesus was in a perfect position. He was already with the Father. He left his throne to come down here so that you can be a child of God. It surpasses all knowledge. Why you would leave your, now y'all know, come on, you be at home, somebody call you to come pick them up. <laughs> you about to have a fit. Come where? <laughs> Man, it's five o'clock. What'd that mean? <laughs> but he left his throne to come here, endure a life like ours, die on the cross, be beaten, be opposed, just so you can be a child of God. That surpasses all knowledge. Then he says that you may be filled, that you may be filled up with the fullness of God, meaning your mind, your heart, your soul, your understanding, your life is full of this understanding of how much he loves you. Now, typically when you see this scripture right here, we just say this scripture. Okay, it says, now to him who is able to do far abundantly, far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Now, we typically just read that scripture and we forget everything before that. Okay, now, but this is what I want you to understand. The power of... It says that he can do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask or even think. But it's according to the power. It's according to the love. How is his love working in you? How is it working in you? Because he can do far more abundantly than what you're asking right now or even what you're thinking. But it's going to be according to the power. <laughs> it's going to be according to the love that is working within you. How do you know? Do you, are you sure he loves you? And this is why. Okay? He can't release power to an orphan-minded child. He can't release a destiny to an orphan-minded child, nor 
One who love is at an immature stage. So what does he do? He aggressively attacks your heart. He aggressively attacks your mind. Why? To get you to understand how much he loves you. Okay, one more scripture. Don't seal the deal. But don't tell the religious folks I showed y'all this scripture. Don't you tell them. Don't you tell them. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. So he didn't save you to spend his, your whole life correcting you. <laughs> he didn't save you to spend his whole, your whole life disciplining you. He saved you because he wanted to pour out love on you, not anger, not wrath, not malice. You are saved so that he can love you. The whole purpose of him saving you. Saved means you are rescued from the penalties of sin and death. You are rescued from the penalties of sin and death. You're saved. You're saved worrying about going to hell. <laughs> You're saved worrying about making mistakes. When the scripture said that he saved you through his son, not to pour out his anger on you. So what is he letting you know? That's the last thing on my mind. Last thing on my mind is to pour out my anger on you because if I did, you couldn't handle it. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that this word will permeate and penetrate the hearts of your sons and daughters. Father, we ask right now, Father, that your will will be done.